Previously on Fun Science Fiction. It's almost like if uh, Zoolander met <laughs> uh, Captain America. Right, exactly. Wouldn't that be funny? Like, see, my cross-platform works. It's an actual viable idea, and it would be Hi, this is Eric Abari, and we're having a ball, and you're listening to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that taught Longfellow Deeds how to write those wicked awesome greeting card poems. So our guest today has been in more science fiction movies and shows than I, I guarantee that you realize. Uh, not to mention the occasional Adam Sandler comedy. Now, he does comedy, too, and he does it because he's good at it. It's a lot of fun. Now, you've seen him in movies like Stargate, Planet of the Apes. Uh, there's been The Mummy. He was on Heroes, the TV show. And, of course, I mentioned Adam Sandler, so we have to talk about Mr. Deeds. We are so proud and so excited to welcome Eric Avare to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome, Eric. Hi. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you for such a wonderful intro. Oh, thank you for being here. Thank you for cutting a, a few moments out of your busy schedule to, to chat good. with us a little bit. So one of the things I love when, when we have our guests on, I love going through their IMDb list because I always find things that I, I realized that I, I didn't realize you were in or that I had forgotten that you were in like Encino man, for instance, I forgot that you were in Encino man. Um, you know, I think a lot of people tried to forget they were in Encino man, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Gary, there's a lot of people behind that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have a, you have a quite a few movies and, and TV shows and things that you were part of that really fit that category for me where I was like, Oh, he, Eric was in that. Holy cow. Eric was in that. So it makes me wonder though, when, when somebody has such a, a long and distinguished list of, of shows like you do, if you're out in public, or I don't know if you attend comic cons or things along those natures, but if you ever go to these type of functions or, or out and about, is there a show or a character that people recognize you most for, or maybe one that you're surprised that they recognize you for? Every once in a while, yeah, I, I will be surprised by some some obscure show that someone comes up with, or you know, uh, an old movie or something. But uh, for the most part, and and it's funny, I can almost gauge what their fans are, you know, when, when they come up and, you know, if it's, uh, you know, a college age kid and you go, no, it's Anderson, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I know who that is, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then the sci-fi fans are fairly easy to spot, you know. So, uh, but it's, what I usually get uh, when I'm, Outside of LA, and every once in a while, people, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but you know, you look a lot like that guy. I don't know his name or anything, but, he, but he's been in a lot of movies. You look a lot like him, only shorter. <laughs> <laughs> but shorter, okay. Shorter. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> It is hard to gauge how tall people are when they're just in your screens. Exactly. It's, you know, and, and I guess you know, you're up there, everyone looks bigger. And then it also depends on who you're playing opposite, right? You know, and playing opposite Little Smith, you know. Well, <laughs> right. Doc Duncan, my goodness, talk about maybe that's a piece, but he could dwarf anyone, you know. Mm -hmm. Ed was like that, you know, I mean, just such a screen presence, you know. I mean, it's a big man in, in 
more ways than just his stature. I always try to watch him walk through a doorway so I know, okay, where do they stand in a doorway? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I've, I've, I have to say I've never paid attention to that. Uh, the, right thing. Know, the way that people, you know, walk through a doorway or anything like that, you know, to gauge their height. Yeah. Makes sense though. I mean, because your As average a door is door salesman, you're usually caught up with the oh look at the hinges. Look right. at the lock, look at the door closer. Hey, it, it, it's a, a right hand in swing, it's a left hand reverse. Those are all actual door terms. Hazards, right? yeah. I get caught up in the details, I guess, and the you know the minutiae of it all. But and yeah. It, it, once I started doing it, you know, when I was doing theater, it was all magic to me, you know, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like an entirely different thing. But uh, once I started doing it, then I was like, you you start to see all the little things and you go, oh, uh oh, oh, oh. Right out of it. We've talked to a couple of um, stunt people and they've said the same thing that they they watch things now and they're like, oh, I see the stunt double. And oh, wait, no, that stunt double is me. It's like, how do you know that? That is. That's really cool to to get that inside look at things, though. I I I miss being, you know, sucked into the the fantasy of it completely. You know? And with a good movie, it'll it'll still do that. You know? Yeah. But so often it it does. I stumble. Over it. Okay. Um, my my speaking of getting lost, um, my uh, grandfather's actually on both sides of my family own movie theaters. Okay. So on uh, weekends, I was a very popular kid in school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I went to school, and um, I grew up in, in a very small little town. And the if you've seen Cinema Paradiso, it's the whole town revolved around and centered around the movies. And there were two movie theaters, and you know, and. It was such a, a gathering of the town and, and a communal getting lost in, in this particular event and, and transporting you, you know, halfway around the world at a time when you, you know, that was only dreamed of. You know? Sure. You know, Eric, I was actually sort of on the same brainwave with Tim with being absolutely floored by how many acting credits you have <laughs> and how many of them it was the, oh, right he's in that but i was i was really impressed with as widespread as your roles are you have some very very funny roles and you have some very serious roles do you prefer comedic acting over dramatic roles or is it i all just fun yeah i i actually i mean when when i get a serious role i look for the comedic bits and when i get a comedy i, I look for the serious bits and hmm. you know, try to you know, because that it's you've got to, if it's a comedy you've got to set up the joke mm-hmm. and if it's a tragedy you've got to let some air out of the back you know and it's just balance you know and just like life right I mean one minute you're laughing next minute you're crying you know and mm-hmm. it can be done like that so I mean I I, I find I find <laughs> trying to imitate anything it's life man it, 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 you cannot write it and you can't you write it and people don't believe it because you wrote it. You know? <laughs> right. Oh God, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but so, I, I, sorry. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just rambling. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we, we like rambling. Rambles. rambles are good. <laughs> we'll get along great. <laughs> so speaking of characters that you have been, and we, we all have something that we usually hold dear to our hearts. Was there a role or a character that you have played that you just really hold dear to your heart? I would say most of them, <laughs> you know, because uh, it, the, the significant ones, the few that I've played, but the, the, those stay with you, you know? If I'm playing a bad guy, for example, there's a, there's a part of us that you can tap into, you know? And so you're mm-hmm. bringing a very personal thing to it. So, so, so right there, you know, that's near and dear to your heart just by yeah. the very definition of it, you know? So, yes. yeah, but I, I don't mean to be evasive, but certainly, you know, the uh, I've had one crack at King Lear, and that one just knocked the Jesus out of me, you know, <laughs> and I, I need two more shots at it. <laughs> right. You know, there are certainly some stage productions, but I think in, in terms of my film career, um, there was a movie, it, it was my first studio movie, uh, and uh, when we were making it, it was based on a play and um, uh, by Bill Masterson. It was just a wonderful piece. Um, and at the time, it was called Nana Wattai. Uh, and it was about the Russian intervention in Afghanistan. And this was 1980. Six, I believe. Um, so you know, the Russians were still in Afghanistan, and and by the time we it got released, uh, and was then released as the Beast, and then in the UK it was the Beast of War because you know uh, people thought it was a horror movie, and mm-hmm. and it, it just got so caught up in um, studio politics and and, and life, you know. Um, the head of Columbia stepped down, I guess, <laughs> and uh, he. This was his movie, the uh, Greenlit, and was the new regime. You know, it just brushed aside, and then we got confused with Rocky. No, not Rocky. I'm sorry, Rambo. Oh, okay, because um, uh, Stallone used almost the exact same locations in Israel, so it had that mm. look, you know. And we shot The Beast before Stallone's movie. Ours was held up till his got a release. And, and he was the first, you know, movie about Afghanistan and all this stuff. Mm, okay. And, and, and the movie just got, just got shelved. And it was, oh. it was such a bitter disappointment because I got to tell you, Tim, when, when we were shooting, and, and it taught me a lesson. Uh, this was a year after Platoon, and okay. Captain Dale Dye, who was doing our... It was a brutal anti-war film, and uh, it, we were playing Russian tankers in tanks in, I don't know, the Negev Desert, you know, in Israel, training alongside the IDF, and we went on a 10-day boot camp, you know, in rank, in character, for 10 days and you got to step down one hour a day. You know, you could break character and say, 
all right, I'm going nuts. Whatever it was, but it, it was such an intense period uh, and, and, and film experience and, and brought us very close together. Uh, and uh, the movie did nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> you come to... I. I had just come moved from New York to um, to Hollywood, and I was being I'd done a sitcom and a, and then another and 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 I was being sent out for a lot of sitcoms and, and I was starting to bug my agents. I was like, guys, come on, man! I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to movies, you know. I said, so, so they sent me out on this audition. They said, okay, there's this big casting director and she does a lot of work and I really want you to meet her. But there's this uh, thing, um, it's, it's a comedy and they're looking for people to improvise. You know? and, and the people, I said, oh, great, great. You know, this was all sounding great. And I said, and, and what's the character? Now this was at a time, I got to say when the only experience people had with the Indian community was perhaps maybe your doctor. But other than that, it was the 7-Eleven guy who's right. Deshi, but, you know, that, mm-hmm. that was sort of, you know, and when I stepped out, I was really at that spearhead of that, you know, the Indian actor in in Hollywood. There was Ben Kingsley, but he was in in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, Murray Abraham, but he wasn't, you know, so so it was this forging this path almost, you know, that was, um, I I felt kind of a responsibility, you know, and uh, but this, you know, I got out at this audition, and it was, sorry, it was playing this 7-Eleven guy. And just you know, have a ball. <laughs> and you know, when you're playing to an audience and they're lapping it up, you you know go along with it. And it's not for keeps. It's you're just meeting people and you say hello. This is me. I can do you know blah 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 blah. And you know, sure. And uh, next thing I knew is they and and I really did a very broad and and kind of silly accent you know? and uh, my agents came back and said they loved it and they want you <laughs> and was like, oh no I'm just kidding <laughs> I was just playing it up I didn't mean I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then not only was the movie and I you know I really thought this is Who's going to see it? You know, <laughs> the script wasn't dazzling, and you know, right. as my agent said, you know, it's Christmas, man. <laughs> Buy your wife a nice Christmas gift and call it a day. <laughs> but okay, well, not only does the movie come out, not only is it a huge hit, but my two lines are in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and at that point, I then suddenly started. All the calls after that suddenly became very specific about this 7-Eleven guy. You know, we want the Indian, you know. Mm, okay. So that that was the downside 
to that. You know? mm -hmm. and, but that's something I also was tutored early in my career by a very wise character actors. Never let them put you in a box. You know? <laughs> right. And, and it's never a truer word for a character actor to you know? get them and you bust out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, we've had some great conversations with a couple other character actors. Uh, we talked with Larry Cedar. We've talked with Larry Hankin. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and both of those guys uh, consider themselves to be the, you know, just that's what they do. They like, they don't like having the same role twice in a row, the same type of role. They like to be able to, you know, yes. you know, and, and I think both of them, if I'm not mistaken, and, and Nick and Kathleen can correct me on this, but I, I think they both said one of the things that they appreciate the most is when they're not recognized in a film. And it's just they, you know, you go and later on, somebody goes, oh, I didn't realize you were in that movie or I didn't realize you were in that show. I'm assuming that would hold true for you as well. No, I always take that as an insult. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there goes my assumption for the night. No, he just looks like the guy. Was the blonde, the tall one. <laughs> he just looks like the guy, just shorter. Yeah, you're just shorter. <laughs> All right, so Eric, uh, let's see. Back in '94, uh, Stargate was released. Now, originally, this came out to some really heavy critical response you know the, the the critics didn't i think roger ebert said gave it only one of four stars and said that uh uh something along the lines that it it yeah it, it didn't have enough special effects to even carry it through anywhere or something along those lines mm -hmm. he, he panned it pretty heavily uh james spader years later has been quoted as saying that when he took the script he didn't think the script was very good he didn't think it was a very good movie but he did it because it was a paycheck um, but as we know, as the years have passed, really, yeah, as wow. years, I just saw that quote yesterday, as a fact. Wow. Um, but uh, as that as the movie has aged, fans and critics have begun to see it differently. It's it's pretty much hit cult classic status. And, you know, are you surprised by the success of the movie or the success of the TV series that the movie spawned or you know what was it about the movie franchise really that i guess this is a two-part question really you know are you surprised by the success that that stargate has had not just as a movie but as a tv series as well and what attracted you to the to the show yeah um that's the three-part question <laughs> let me start, <laughs> let me start with yes i am surprised uh, you know certainly surprised at well i should to back it up I was surprised at the uh, lack of response that the movie got, you know, when, when it came out, because I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, as you know, as just an audience member, I thought it was, it was fun. It was, it was different. It was telling a story. Mm -hmm. The, all the elements of sci-fi to me were baked into that cake. It's, it's very specifically written uh, Dean Devlin's a, a master, you know, and, and, and he, he really took care to take care of all the little details that, you know, if you don't, if you don't, or, or even if you just tie them up in a neat little bow, it, it, it doesn't grab you, you know, and I, I felt he, um, he tapped into the characters, you know, person. And, um, and and Roland, just Roland Emmerich, has this wonderful eye, and and uh, he, he 
I think he dreams it at night and then just comes and does it, you know? So the, the, the combination of that, and, and I saw that. I saw that working, you know, and, and, and it was wonderful to watch. And, and I saw the, the scope of it, that it, it's, it was huge in, in size. Uh, so that all did absolutely impress me. And, 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 and the cast, I thought, was, was wonderful. Very, very, um, you know, skilled actors. You know? Yeah, these these aren't just you know people goofing around. Uh, you know, was, uh, I mean, Jaiman Hansu went on to get an Academy Award, and you know, and Kurt Russell and, and James Spader and uh, on and on. I could go. Mm-hmm. But um, so I I was surprised that it didn't do well, you know. Uh, and then it started to get the the acclaim and attention, and then. And then it just went kaboom. Yeah, it blew up. It spawned only six TV shows. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. How, how much sand? How much sand did you get in your outfit during filming? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just the outfit that got the sand. There's <laughs> <laughs> oh. actually a very funny. I, and even if I say something, but I, I did it quite, you know, for the um, EPK, you know, the Dick uh, Walker and shoot uh, footage. And and uh, they asked me to sit down and I said, Eric, what do you mean? And I, I'd just come off the set, dusty, hot. And I was talking about, man, there's just a lot of sand. And I took my shoe off and just, just this. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, but yeah, coming back, looping back to you know, near and dear to your heart, that that was certainly one because boy, that was a tough shoot. We were uh, the first eight weeks were in Yuma, Arizona, dead of summer. Oh, uh, the day I the day before I arrived was 138, and people were dropping. It was a little daunting, you know, getting out on that set and and then in the robes and and all of that and trying to get used to that. Because clearly the the robes weren't warm, you know. (laughs) Actually, they they keep the sun off you. So, you know, and that's why Bedouins wear the robes too. Okay. And and allow some ventilation, I guess, you know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that that gear and, and 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 the horses, you know, the, the mastages were mm-hmm. they had robes. They they were dressed to look like you know, mm-hmm. horses dressed to look like mastages. And they did not like the, the headgear one bit. Day one, and it was all 15, 15 principles. We were out on the sand. And, uh, and it was right after the Kasu's first meeting with the soldiers, you know, and, and everyone said, and uh, the horses started to just go insane and rearing up. And, and all the soldiers, you know, now they were, they were dressed comfortably, <laughs> boots and everything, you know, and they were like, 
they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> I myself standing alone <laughs> with these because I couldn't move. I mean, I had headgear with with a trail that was about 15 feet long. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I'm going to die on day one of this set. Trample to death by Clydesdales. <laughs> Well, the heat doesn't kill you, the horses will. The horses will. <laughs> right? yeah. it, was, that, it was a real bonding experience and, and cast and crew. And, and then it was so much fun to, you know, to play with the dialect, which was real. I mean, uh, standardized, I should say. Sure, you know, sure. And we had an uh, Egyptologist, who, you know, if you wanted to say something, you had to, you know, find out how to say it in ancient Egyptian. Oh, that's cool. always sounded like a cat meowing. More foul. <laughs> you could shit the sticker. But, you know, so, so challenges, you know, because then you, you go, okay, how do I say this to make it sound like I've been saying it all my life, you know, and, <laughs> right? You know, without right. laughing. You know? <laughs> not, not. I learned this in my trailer this morning. So <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh goodness! So, along with the the Stargate universe, you've been part of the Star Trek universe, being both in Next Generation and in Deep Space Nine, and very notably part of Heroes, the Heroes universe. Sure. Sure. So, were you a sci-fi fan to begin with, or? Have you just kind of been directed towards sci-fi roles? Well, I, I no, I, I, I'm a movie buff, so you know, you know the the gamut. But sci-fi was definitely uh, a genre that I was attracted to. I'm attracted to westerns and uh, the British spy movies, the crime movie, you know, the detective stories, all, all that. But the sci-fi, I always loved because I always found it, especially days of old, you know, it was more Shakespearean, you know, and, and that was my training and that was my, what I was familiar with. And, uh, so I, I think I tapped into it a little more easily, deeply, maybe, maybe, okay. you know, um, but I, yeah, I do love it. I, because there's such an attention to the word, you know, the, the details, the script. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you well, I suppose you can get away with you know, big explosions and stuff. But for the most part, I think sci-fi fans are, are pretty, they, they hold your feet to the fire, you know? And if you try to cheat them, they're, they're, they're <laughs> <away>. <laughs> Especially Star Wars fans. They're kind of brutal. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind, you're right. I have a lightsaber literally next to me. I'm not much better. <laughs> So a little more on the serious side, what is a piece of advice that you would like to give like a younger version of you or someone that is just getting started? Get out of the business. <laughs> <laughs> and done. All right. Wash your hands of this. Walk away. No, do it. <laughs> Get out now. <laughs> quote Gandalf, fly, you fools. Now, that is such a good question because... Literally, pre-pandemic, I would have had my stock answer. But now with the pandemic, I honestly think the whole 
ball games changed. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable what you know. Now you before just on, on little things and how how things have changed. When I first got to Hollywood, uh, I, I heard stories of you know from other actors saying, "Man, now we've got to audition and stuff." But back in the day, when you know there was no audition, they saw your work and said, "Yeah, okay, here's your deal." You know, now you got to go and do this. Then, then you know, once we got into the pandemic, it it was where well, you can audition on tape. You can put yourself on tape, you know, and, and that was perfectly acceptable as before you know, to be there you know mm-hmm. so you know the, the goalposts keep moving right mm-hmm. and and i i i really don't know what i would recommend right now and i only because i think theater is in jeopardy you know at this stage because we're so dependent on audiences and, and that group experience that maybe the pandemic has has you know given people pause and they're not willing to be in that situation again whether it's in an office or in a theater or or a movie theater Uh, so I'm, I'm, i'm sorry it's a long answer saying very little but i i think what I would recommend now is kind of in the TikTok vein, you know, take matters into your own hands. Mm-hmm. Got a camera, you've got great sound equipment that is on your phone. Uh, you with that, they would green screen. There, there are apps now that you can run. go go that right, but be thoughtful. Be smart. Have something to say. Not like me, rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck the landing, though. That's all that counts. <laughs> That's, all. That's all that counts. I actually, I actually really appreciate that. I, I'm sitting in a green screened box right now. Like, you have all of these things available at home. If you want to do it, go and do it. Yeah. Don't be reliant on Hollywood and ever-changing pandemic rules and regulations and this is i I feel like this is the era for independent creators this is their time to shine absolutely you know uh uh, when the slr cameras uh first start to become uh affordable Mm -hmm. for four or five six thousand dollars you can get a camera and shoot a movie on and um, and I thought, my goodness, I'm living in the golden age of filmmaking now. This this is just a game changer. You know? uh, and to some extent, I think it's true. But now the problem is, once you once you have it in the can, how do you get it out there? Right, the promotional aspect. And now that's another whole. You know, one of the things that that made, I thought about as you were talking about this is we, in this age of independent creation, one of the things I love is being a, a fan of sci-fi is that there are well more fan films than ever before. 
And so there's Star Trek fan films, there's Star Wars fan films, there's Stargate fan films uh, and things along those lines, which make it pretty interesting for, you know, uh, the fans and everyone else to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've come across the several fan made films recently where, you know, I, I thought the, the special effects and the way the camera, the, the way it was shot was just as good as, as anything else that I had seen, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, I, I agree with you. I think it's, this is the time where you, you step up and if, if you have the desire to make something, if you have the desire to do something, the only thing that's limiting you right now is you. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And 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 to to get back into you know the, this question of the desire to do something, I I, I would I would almost um, hone that a little bit tighter into what is it that you want to say? What are you burning, dying to get off your chest? You know, one way or another. Yeah. No. Because chances are you're not alone, you know? And I, I, I feel like your advice is really hitting home for, for the podcast ourselves, for the, the crew here, because we are trying to make it as independent creators. And it, it is kind of that, that validation of the, we're on the right track. Okay, we got this. We can do this. But I'm we we might know, know what we're doing. Pre-pandemic, I, here's, here's my answer. Do theater. Start with theater. Do theater. It's like learning your scales, you know. You know? Mm-hmm. Very sort of old school that way and stuff. But I, I, um, I really, really, you know, made a, a full one eighty, and, and I think, and that's not to say you shouldn't read plays and you know, right? Scripts and stuff. You know, read, read as much as you can, and and yeah. Um, I am, I am at a point in my life where that I am, I'm hoping I can inspire or start something here in, in Portland out on that very thing, the independent film market. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like it's you know it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. It's, it's a good place to that stuff. You know, but I would love to. See, I think you know having these creative outlets is we need desperately in this country. Agreed. It's, Give it's, chance of people to step out on the ledge and, and do something fun. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, in, in line with your advice, I also look at your career and, and all the different areas it's taken you. You've gone from stage, you've gone to screen, you've done voiceover work. So, you know, we talk about going from, you talked about King and I earlier, I mean, we talked about Stargate, there's Independence Day, and then there's the voiceover, of course. Um, I am a huge fan of the game Destiny. I play the game Destiny quite often. And so I often have to take my things to you to have you transcribe them, Master Rahul. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you what, there was a moment of going, wait, that's Eric Avari? Really? <laughs> um where I all of a sudden, you know, I have a group of guys that I play with, and I'm like, <laughs> I get to talk with Master Raul. I'm gonna talk with him <laughs> in a couple nights. So for me, that was really cool. Um, I we talked with uh Sally Sofietti, who does the voice of Aramis in in Destiny 2 as well. 
and mm-hmm. some of the up the some of the, the the most recent DLCs and stuff. And so yeah, so for me, the fact that you, you know, because you've done the voice of Rahul for Destiny One, now with Destiny Two, um, and all these other things. So yeah, it, it just very very kind of cool to me. But I had to tell you that so I could ask this. It's kind of like you know building a clock to tell you the time, I guess. So yeah, I just had to get that little bit of a little bit of, of nerd nerding off my chest uh, for the moment. But I was thinking about the way that you approach your, your roles. Now, all these three things they're in different they're in different formats and, and different types of acting, but they're all still acting. So my question for you is, and I've asked this of other people who who have done all three phases. How do you approach them? Do you approach them differently, treat them differently, or at, at the base, is it all the same and you treat them the same? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's funny, Tim. It, it started in the theater and I thought I knew it, you know, and I, it, we would look down on you know, TV actors and come on, that's not real acting. <laughs> get up here on stage and do it start to finish and blah blah blah, blah you know mm-hmm. but yeah you get up on stage after a month rehearsal mm-hmm. you know where you're doing it you've got everything worked out and all that stuff it's not like on tv where you come in in the morning you still got your coffee and your bagel in your hand it's like hi good morning oh you're you're playing my wife hi how are you nice to meet you okay so uh what are we doing? Okay, okay, we'll do that. All right, let's go get dressed, ready, and then we come back and shoot it. That's a whole different deal, right? You know? And 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 as a theater actor, when I first started doing that, it was a little unnerving. I haven't explored this character, and you know, I, I haven't looked into my wife's eyes to see how she. <laughs> I do that, you know, <laughs> and and then the. the there's no time for that and so it's much more right. spontaneous and you know um, so the different skills different different you know um, skill set involved with film tv and theater and i and i think doing doing all three just makes you a better actor. okay you start to learn how to be just as theatrical and large as you would on stage, but you can do it on the screen, you know, without sounding, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, I love theater. I, I absolutely love theater. I love live theater. I miss live theater so much i grew up in a theatrical family i was in my high school's production of beauty and the beast when i was a sophomore like i i love theater so hearing you say the difference between theater and tv and it makes me happy like (laughs) it is there is a lot to learn from being in a stage production absolutely absolutely when you know just just Feeling the live audience, and they teach you so much. You know, the shape, the shape of performance. Mm-hmm. 
And, yeah. And, uh, yeah it's, and, and I just love the, the experience being with the cast where you're in every day. Rehearsing, you go out to lunch, you come back, you rehearse, you know, then you go separate ways or whatever, you know. Uh, it, it, that, that family unit thing, oh, I, I, I love that. Whereas on TV, it's just work, 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 work. Or, or you're in your trailer trying to get some reps or learn your lines, you know. Uh, and then so often now with with voiceover, you're just doing it from your home studio. You're just doing it from your booth. You never hear anybody else's lines. You are just doing one sided acting. You don't have the the give and take between characters and the feedback of an audience. Like right. I feel like that would be so difficult. Uh, yes, I I I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. And and for. Um, uh, destiny uh, that was basically it you know and, and, and I kept asking so why am I saying this now and it's like no you're just saying it it's like, like yeah. <laughs> I don't get a why really and and honestly I mean you know I'm not a gamer so I, I didn't have oh god it was so funny <laughs> after after I did the first one um, they said um We'd like to send you a, a complimentary copy of what platform would you like it on? <laughs> said Mac. <laughs> no, we're not sending you one. <laughs> Mac is not an answer. No, it's not. <laughs> and then they called me back for to do the second one, and they said, um, "Oh my God, you know the audience just yeah, but the, you how do they put it?" Fan favorite, fan favorite. I was like, really? really? Because I had no concept of what I had done on this thing, you know. I said, really? And they go, yeah, they all hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do get blamed a lot for not getting the loot that we want. I just want you to tell, just know that right now. So when That's somebody what brings I heard. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you know, Tim, a little trivia for you. Uh, I. I think I got that because, you know, they're obviously they're, they're gamers and, and they're into the whole thing. And they called me in because I was Zork, the Grand Inquisitor, and the game Zork, which apparently is the granddaddy of them all. And, you know, I felt like a dinosaur, but they were going on about that. But I did that one because well, two reasons. One is it was all green screen, and this is back oh, early 90s, yeah, you know? Um, and so the green screen was new and we were thinking, wow, we're gonna, this is what our new reality is gonna be. And, and I got offered this thing and I thought, you know, it'd be good practice to, to work in front of a green screen and be able to do it without too much pressure. And uh, I did that. And the other reason I just was compelled to take the role he has this line that go that he repeats over and over. He's, he's sort of this, you know, dictatorial sort of dictator, you know, autocrat. And, and he goes, and above all, remember, I am the boss of you. I <laughs> am the boss of you. <laughs> so I thought, how cool is that? I've got to, I've got to do this. 
Jump cut to a decade later. I'm traveling from London to Paris in the, in the train. And a guy comes up to me and he goes, Excuse me. I said, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know you. And then I thought, I said, I don't understand. I am the bus of you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> They're on the train. <laughs> Under the channel. That's awesome. You never know. You know, you talk about obscure things that people recognize me from, looping back to that. Yeah, that's definitely obscure. That's awesome. <laughs> Definitely not as obscure, but the the role that I know you most for, that I was the most excited about, is Dr. Terrence Bay in the 1999 remake of The Mummy. I adore that movie. Yes. That movie is in my top five favorite movies. I nice. watch it frequently. You've got good taste, Kathleen. Oh, I love that movie. And only 75% of that movie that I watch it is just because of Brendan Fraser. But that's... <laughs> That's irrelevant. That is not relevant to this conversation. <laughs> I got I to I I lay this story on you. Yay. We like stories. So I uh, just flew into Marrakesh to work on this very exciting movie and uh, eating breakfast outside. And I hear this voice behind me go, Thank you for letting me with your juice. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's Brandon. <laughs> and I turned on. I was like, you. You set my career back five, ten years. I don't even know how long. And he, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, Can we sit down and let me explain this to you? <laughs> I took this movie that I thought was going nowhere. <laughs> you made it. You put it up there and you ruined my career. What do you think about that, Mr. Oh, that's awesome. And we had such a and then further down uh, a couple of weeks later, it was a Sunday and day off, and I was walking down to see the other guys. We were in different hotels and stuff. I was, I was walking down to meet up with the other guys. And I ran to Brendan. This is like, you know, 11 and 11.30 in the morning, Sunday morning. Hey, hey, as if we hadn't seen each other in, in weeks. You know? And um, what are you doing? Uh, not, not much. You want to get some breakfast? Yeah, okay. Let's, let's you know, so yeah, we're breakfast, we're chatting, we're chatting. Then we move on to beer and all this stuff. And next thing we know, it's, it's 4.30 and I'm, Nah, I'm not going down to Bond Street where they are. You know? I'm just going back to the hotel. All right. I go home and turn on the TV, and there was a bomb that, that, that exploded on Bond Street. No one knew where we were, but you know. I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? So, anyway, next morning I'm walking on the set and I hear. A voice from across the, the stage go, I saved your life, so now we're quits. 
Nice. But how many people get to say that Brendan Fraser saved their life after almost ruining their? That's what he does. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, would you remake Encino Man if you could now, though? I'll pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had actually started talking about The Mummy because I knew it, the 1999 version is a remake of the, I don't remember what year the original was, but I remember it's a remake. Yes, yeah. So is there another movie that has been made already that you would remake and cast as your own? If you could choose any movie that's already been done that you would want to remake. Ooh, ooh. I mean, you know, the, the trouble is the, those movies, are like Casablanca, for example, how do you get anyone other than Bogey to play that part? And, right. And, you know, because it's, it's, and right. it's so daunting. But I think, you know, if you, you just ha- would have to like break it completely and so people go, okay, new guy, <laughs> you know, or new person doesn't even have to be a guy. But um, gosh, that's a good question, Kathleen. And and you know, Casablanca is one that I go right. Speaking of the mummy, <coughs> excuse me, and Casablanca, the 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 um, the automobile that we drive. I can't what it is. But it's so similar to the one that's used in Casablanca. The, the oh yeah, oh yeah. Goes in and and, and, and we see it just the same way. There are these little homages to it. It's wonderful. But that that to me, Casablanca is. A, you know, he, Bogey and Bacall, they they did not. They they didn't have chemistry at first. Um, uh, 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 mm-hmm. and, and and Bogey was uh, not comfortable playing the romantic lead, and apparently he was unsure of where you know how how to go about this. He was probably a tough guy, and now all of a thing, but it you know all of that worked so well and apparently the script wasn't completely written but when they started shooting it so it sort of you know morphed and changed oh, interesting but frank hopper wait, wait a there's a guy no no prior experience came to new york and absolutely am i allowed to say bs his way to, yeah. to movie yeah. studios and and you know went into Hollywood and, and and had no experience but figured he could do it. Talk much about harder it. to run a much harder to run a background check than you know so. <laughs> <laughs> Casablanca would be a fun remake. It would still be it would be difficult though for the reasons you just pointed out having someone take Bogart's place it would be difficult to yeah. have somebody else in that because you, there's a level of expectation of what that character is supposed to bring now because right. an icon has already performed it yeah yeah so, yeah yeah but yeah. you know what? as we're speaking now Kathleen maybe 
The trick is not to do a movie that you love, but one that you thought was just god awful. That's true. I feel like we're circling back to Encino Man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We we keep circling here. Again, I mean, the movie might be horrendous, but it is also one of those movies that when I realize like it's on or hey, I can stream that, I'm still gonna watch it every time. Okay. (laughs) There's a movie that I've done that that's worse than Encino Man, and I can't. Oh, close to. <laughs> that <one> was <laughs> like how he got the shivers as he said the title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, that was another one. I looked at the script and uh, and uh, the agents came back and said, they're going to pay a quote, which was like kind of a thing of the past, you know? I was like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And J.K. Simmons is doing it. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, J.K. is doing it, what the heck? <laughs> Who am I to be proud? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's not a, not one I like to remember. <laughs> <laughs> understand that yeah and i don't think i'd even want to remake it that fair just enough die. no it's just <laughs> that one needs to go so we have a facebook group and yes. it has oh what is it 190 197 197 almost 190 yeah 197,000 members and it is just filled with memes it's this mixed with this or just meme central. Um, so which two of your characters would you like to see come together to either work together or to become nemesis? <laughs> I? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a fun question. Uh, I should. I, I think Cecil Anderson has to has to get involved with Kasuf. And the funny thing about it is, I think no one understands each other, but they talk to each other as if you know. Yeah, know exactly what the other say. Go with that. Isol and Kasuf. I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mister Deeds goes to Stargate. There you go. <laughs> I would watch that. I would. It'd be yeah. fun. It'd be a good watch. Yeah. All right, so Eric, we're at a, a stage in the show where we like to run our guests through a little bit of a quiz. Uh, and so this is a quiz about Eric Avare. So here we go. Okay. We titled this quiz, Stargate for my men, Daredevil for my horses. <laughs> and uh, so what it is it? creative a, with your titles. I'm I trying. know, right? I'm trying. All right. So uh, it's a five-question quiz. Hmm. Each of the questions are multiple choice. So you'll have three opportunities. Pressure. pressure. Okay. Yeah. So a little less pressure for you. Oh, now, but it gets you, worse. Well, the pressure it comes gets back. worse. Thanks. I'm, getting, I'm working on it. 
So out of the five questions, if you get three of the questions correct, we do want to send you one of these handy dandy I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fun Coffee Mugs, which is, of course, a play on the Red Shirts from Stargate. And uh, if you get four questions correct, we'd like to send you that mug along with the book that Nick is holding up called Dances with Aliens. Uh, It's written by our show founder and group founder on Facebook. Also Nick's dad. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> but dances and alien with aliens is a book about the last man on earth who's a dog, but not a four legged dog that goes woof, but a singing, dancing cartoon dog with a theme park variety. It asks the question how could intelligent beings develop the technology to travel to the cosmos and yet not recognize a guy in a dog suit? So, all right, so that's if you get four, we send you the book and the mug. However, right. if you get less than three questions correct, we take a Here's picture of you. We take a picture of you, we put make a meme out of you, and we put you into our group. Are you okay with that? Okay, yeah. All right, very good. If that does happen, you're in very good, uh, very good company. Dan Pavenmeyer, the co-creator of Phineas and Ferb, has one. Uh, a couple other people as well, so you'll you'll be just fine. Okay. If that if that were to happen. So okay. All right. So yeah, JK's in it, so I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so there's five like I said, five questions. These are all movies that you've been in. We're going to ask you the the year they were released, and there's three options for the the movie release. Okay, okay. okay. released, not filmed. Released, not made. Yes, yes, released. <laughs> what was the release year? All right. Stargate. 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 Was it 1999, 94, or 89? 94. Yes, correct. All right. Question number two. The Mummy. Was that 1999, 1991, or 2005? 1999. That is correct. Very good. Two for two. All right. Planet of the Apes, 2001, 1991, or 2011? 2001. Yes. Yes. Three for three. So that gets you the coffee mug. The elephant in the room that is Encino Man. Told you we're going to keep circling back around. <laughs> uh, no, the way they won't go away. Oh, was that 1992, 2012, or 1982? 92. That is correct. That movie turns 30 years old this year. Oh, oh wow. Wow. I'm going to go drink now. Wow. <laughs> the movie's old enough to drink. All right. So, the- four for four. Yeah, you've, got, you've got the coffee mug, you got the book. Awesome. And, uh, Oh, the book that Nick held. And then this one's just for funds. So. Okay. All right. Daredevil, 2001, 2003, or 2005? I think it was 2000. Yes. Yes. Huh. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So five for five. Well done. Oh, nice. So after we say goodbye to everybody, stick around a second. We'll get your shipping information. We want to send those to you. So oh, that's that's way to be beautiful. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're working on? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, Facebook is um, probably the best, but I've been very lax and, and tardy with uh, posting and uh, hope to get better. Um, but yeah, Facebook, 
is about it. I'm I'm such an old fuddy duddy. <laughs> oh, that's all good. They can also look you up on IMDb if they want to know about your about your jobs. Anything that's upcoming should be listed there as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a, yes, there's there's a um, a movie that I made uh, actually talking about the golden age of independent filmmakers. Yeah. Back then, and uh, it's up for free now on YouTube. So if anyone wants to see it, uh, oh, what's it called? Chasing Eagle Rock. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll make sure we put that down there. Yeah, we will link that on your Facebook, and we will always remind our viewers and our listeners that if they can't find you, they didn't use Google. They didn't. <laughs> they did not. Yeah. 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 Well, so, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that subscribing, that's what you can do right now. That little button right down there at the bottom of your screen. That's the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more great guests like Eric Avari here today to have these funny moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps us more than we can ever really tell. And make sure that you go check out Eric's work, especially the, the movie that we talked about just a second ago in the YouTube link down below. Now, if for whatever reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Cecil Anderson. He's an agreeable chap, though. He's particularly good at paperwork and organization, so really only one copy of the complaint will be necessary. And since he's a particularly kind chap, we don't expect the punishment to be too severe, but it will be handled all the same. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for watching, everybody. This has been Funny Science Fiction. Goodbye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine, the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 79, he'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins the Magi in protecting Hamanatra in the fight against Himotep, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his camel pick jar. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode.